0: Talk Radio.
1: I have the pleasure today of having congressional candidate, a, a, a candidate who possible candidate, maybe I should say, Bill Day. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello, Bill. Hi, Bill. Are you there, Bill Day? Hello, Bill Day? Bill Day, is that you? (laughs) I have a little feedback problems here, I think. Okay. Well... We're gonna try something a little different. We're just having some feedback problems. These things happen in radio, especially with online radio. And uh we'll get this uh get this moving here, so let me see. I'm gonna to try to call Bill. Might be some communication issues here. No worries. These things happen. It's radio.
0: This is the first. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Bill Day. How are you? All right, doing well.
1: We. Uh, I, I was just saying that sometimes on online radio we have these connection problems, but it always works itself out because technology is always on our side. Absolutely. <laughs> so. I want to welcome you, Bill Day, to our uh, to our show. You are uh, exploring the option to run for c- Congress as a Republican, and Maryland or Maryland's eighth congressional district. And first, I'd like to talk just a little bit about you, uh, your background, your career, and your decision that has led up to uh, possibly thinking about jumping into uh, a race that some have said that Republicans are all but sure to lose. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. I think that this race is still uh very fluid and I think that with uh great candidates who jump into the primary, this is going to be a race about issues, policy and discussion and how to best serve the people um that is uh that encompasses the district. So, Bill, I want to welcome you. You're a practicing attorney in Maryland and you were a you're a uh, United States Naval Academy uh graduate and you graduated there in 1995. So, Let's talk a little bit about your background. Let's talk about what inspired you to jump into uh, service to our nation.
0: Sure. And Ryan, thanks for having me this morning. Um, my background really started uh, when I was seven years old. My father was a U.S. Marine. He had crossed the border legally from Canada, enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, um, was in his 20th year, almost retirement age, and uh Fortunately, he was killed in a training accident in an A-4 Skyhawk when it crashed. And I knew right then and there that I wanted to serve my country. Um, so I worked hard, uh, got into the Naval Academy, and uh, graduated in 1995, like you said. And our class motto at that time is, uh, or it still is, is non said patriae, which means not for self, but for country. And we continue to take that motto in whatever uh, whatever, you know, pathway that life takes us uh, from myself and my classmates. But I went to the Naval Academy. Uh, I did five years in the Navy. The last tour I did was in the Pentagon. I worked for the Secretary of the Navy and the Chief of Naval Operations. So I got to see a bird's eye view of the Navy, Navy strategy, Navy planning uh, back when it was uh, at that point. Uh, I knew that, uh, you know, the public affairs officer at that time wasn't at, a career uh, goal for mine so I decided to go to law school I applied to Catholic University Columbus School of Law and was accepted and I worked full-time and went to night school graduated in four years and then I began to work at a small firm in Rockville uh, and mostly did litigation and so did litigation for about eight years and As I'm working for my clients, I'm seeing that there's a lot of things that I could do for these small companies and business owners to help them prevent litigation or at least posture themselves where they have better chances. And so I started moving my practice towards uh, representing the small business owners, entrepreneurs, helping them form, decide what the best entity would be, helping them navigate the burdensome regulations that they face at the uh, local, state, federal levels and help them with their contracting, licensing, employment law, all those things that small companies and business owners need to be aware of and need to consider to be successful. And so that is kind of why, and so for the last eight years or so, lived in Bethesda. I've got three kids. I've been coaching their soccer, MSI soccer, which is huge down here in Montgomery County, and just watching it and kind of going with the flow. But I didn't like the direction our country was headed in. Yeah, it, and so I go ahead.
1: I was gonna. I was gonna mention that Congressman Van Hollen has been your representative for many years, uh, and he he first beat, I think it was yeah, it was Connie Morella. Um, uh, over ten years ago, and he's been yeah. in office, and the Senate seat, uh, wow. it seemingly has always been Congressman Van Hollen's aspirations in Maryland, and now that has left an open seat, and there's many on the Democratic side who have jumped in, and some some of the candidates on the Democratic side um, are already out full force. They are raising money, and they say that it's a foregone conclusion that uh, that. A Republican simply cannot win this district. It's un, it's unattainable. It's just not going to happen. And I'd like for you to respond to, to that notion.
0: Sure. Well, as you know, Van Hollen won when the district was gerrymandered, which Governor Hogan is uh, is taking a look at. Um, and he did take it from County Morella. Now, you know, they're saying that this is a foregone conclusion that a Democrats going to be elected to this to this district. Uh, I don't think you can write off the Republicans. I think that the people of Maryland showed that with the election of Governor Hogan. I, I think the people want candidates who are focused on the economy. They're focused on creating jobs and not just minimum wage jobs, good jobs. They're focused on candidates or they're concerned about candidates that want to focus on looking at overburdening some government regulations. And Governor Hogan's shown that he can do that and he's done it successfully and we can do that at the federal level. So I wouldn't write off a Republican. I think there's more common sense people uh, in here in Bethesda and Frederick and Carroll counties that want to see a congressman who's not afraid to go in there, roll up their sleeves, do the hard work for them and represent their interests, which is jobs, the economy, and fixing the tax system.
1: So, Bill, in your exploratory committee – are you meeting with people that are advising uh your cam uh potential campaign giving you the, the the outline uh the the grassroots so to speak um of how to assemble a campaign and put this idea in fruition should you move forward because you are not a declared candidate yet you're basic you're still in the process of exploring all your options, but, you're st- but you have not registered or filed with the Maryland State Board of Elections or the FEC. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. And when I decided to look into this possibility, um, I wasn't going to go in blind. I wasn't going to jump in first feet in uh, without looking at what I needed to do to make it a legitimate campaign. I'm not doing this to get my name on a ballot. Like I said, I've got a good law practice up in Rockville. I'm happy coaching my kids. But I think that we need to make change in the federal government. We need to make change in the Congress. So what I've been doing for the last uh, several months, probably since May, is talking to the Republican leadership, Uh, talk to members of the Central Committee, uh, Diane Waterman and others. I've been going to meetings. I've been Frederick County um, Republicans meetings. I've been going to meetings here in Montgomery County, the different, different legislative districts, and talking to people who have been active um, in it. I've also talked to some of the governor's uh, people and helped in the gov- governor's campaign and told me what I needed to do to have a credible campaign. So I've been, the exploratory phase was talking to these people, seeing if they were interested in me running and see if they would support a campaign. Uh, if I was to run, and really looking at what needed to be done uh, like I said, to mount a credible campaign, so that's what's been happening. Uh, I think I will have a an announcement by the end of this month, I'm hoping to, and then we will uh, we'll move full speed ahead if that's the direction we're going to head, but that's why it's it's an exploratory phase because so I really want to talk to the people of Montgomery county, Roger County. Carroll County, and see if they support the issues that I think are important to them and what they're telling me are important if we're on the same page. So I want it to be a credible campaign, not just uh, a candidate that's written in and a sacrificial land for the Republican Party. That's not, not what I'm looking for.
1: And it doesn't seem like it, and some of the other candidates who have also expressed interest in running as a Republican for this congressional seat have also said they're going to they are interested in talking voters stretching from Carroll all the way to Frederick and down into Montgomery County. And speaking of which, the district is so cockeyed. It's it's so interesting how this district has stretches all the way up from what? Thurmont, Western Maryland, down in and I still consider Carroll County to be part of Western Maryland and a huge swath of – I mean, the city of Westminster, we're talking about conservative areas, and then it goes over to Frederick, comes down, and then loops around into – all the way down into Montgomery County. And here's my question to those members of our legislature that drew up the lines is that what does Tacoma Park and Westminster have in common as far as representation? I mean, do you see the picture here? What a screwy type of of map – I mean, it's it's it, it's it reprehensible. Uh,
0: I absolutely agree with you, and that's why the governor's uh, commission is looking at the redistricting and seeing what they can do to fix that, because it is a challenge for whoever the candidates are or the representative because of the completely different socioeconomic and ideals that the, constitu- the different constituents have in their areas, Frederick County Carroll County, uh, going into Bethesda, Tacoma Park, Ch- uh, Chevy Chase, and Silver Spring. It's a completely different mindset, you know. For the most part, in some areas, uh, and it's challenging geographically for the representative to get up there and meet uh, the constituents and talk to them and really get, you know, the issues that are important to them. So it's challenging not only in the different subsets of ideology, but it's challenging it geographically and and getting there to actually meet the people
1: well bill you know this race is going to be expensive and no no campaign is inexpensive these days and people are throwing out numbers that it, it would take um well over 2 million dollars and that some of the potential candidates on the democratic side including but not limited to Kathleen Matthews Jamie Rask and David Anderson and um some of the other candidates who are running that are Kumar Barve Uh, Ansel Galtieres, uh, that they're going to have to raise an extraordinarily large amount of money, and it always seems that that it's come down to how much can you raise. And we saw some of the numbers, and we haven't seen yet for Q3 what some of the other candidates raised, uh, but I'm, I'm anticipating it to be a hefty figure. Now, in your exploratory committee, I'm sure you're looking at different funding mechanisms for the campaign and how you're going to raise uh, the money to be competitive. Is that something that you are seriously putting into place, and will that factor into your decision?
0: Uh, Unfortunately, money and how much can be raised is a very important consideration in this market, and it all goes to the media buying, because there's going to be attack ads, I'm sure. Um, If the uh, enemy is cornered, they're going to fight back, and it's not always... Uh, in a nice way, so I, yes, I anticipate this is going to be an expensive campaign. I have been talking to uh, a lot of people in the area. I'm fortunate to have worked with a lot of small businesses in the in the com- uh, in the area that uh, are supporting me and encouraging me to continue with this. And so I'm going to definitely need their support. I'm going to need the support of grassroots people if I'm to do this, because you know some of the, the Democratic candidates have big outside money coming in. Uh, but we need to fight this on the grassroots level because we can take this back as a Republican seat, bring common sense back, just like Governor Hogan did in Maryland business state.
1: So speaking of common sense, Bill, when you're out talking with constituents and you're meeting people who are voters in the 8th Congressional District and elsewhere and throughout Maryland, what is the most common sentiment you hear from people? What are their frustrations? Where where do they want to see government go, uh, say, within the next 10 years? And what are people telling you?
0: Well, the number one thing on people's, that people are telling me is the economy. They want to feel comfortable in the economy. Right now, there's been seven years of uncertainty. I'm talking to a lot of small businesses, and it's that uncertainty that's stalling things. Uh, people that aren't small businesses, they want to talk about jobs, and they want to talk about good-paying jobs. They want to know that they can provide for their families and they can provide their children a brighter future than they have. And we can't do that right now. So that is the number one thing. And for small businesses, it's looking at unnecessary regulations that impede them from growing and creating the good jobs.
1: Yes, I I agree. And that's what I think many of the candidates – who are talking to constituents we're talking about real people i mean we're people that visits you know some of the candidates in in other districts are just going out and having conversations and you hear it over and over again that businesses in maryland and around the country even are overregulated that there is so much government involved and it takes an ex- <laughs> it takes a process that is completely superfluous just to get a permit Businesses are being hampered by this red tape, and people want to thrive. And not only that, we're talking about basic kitchen table issues. And as I watch some of the Democrats, who are good people on the other side, I just happen to think that their policies are wrong, you know the some of the attack ads that they would probably run because they're going to try to draw you down that avenue of sucking you into that social agenda. Because all I hear from the Democrats – and, and CD8 is this. It, it, we're, we're talking about social issues. You know, they they're more interested in talking about Republicans not doing X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and they're more interested in in attending Planned Parenthood rallies. And yesterday, I I saw a, a video that C Media taped that it had three and a half minutes of Democrats lambasting Governor Hogan for basically, be, you know, in their own mind, being the worst governor ever. And I'm thinking that all they have is these these slanted opinions. They want to talk about the social issues, but people are tired of hearing about this kind of stuff. They want to hear about real kitchen table issues. And Bill, as someone that is exploring this type of uh, – exploring this endeavor, what do you think about that? What do you think about the Democrats' game plan? Well,
0: I think we need to focus on the priority of the people. And what I like to say – is I call it the people's personal economy because it's not just a one-size-fits-all economy that we have to look at. Each of us is different. Our financial priorities are different. Our financial needs are different. Uh, My wife works full-time. I work full-time. We have three children. So our needs are different than a lot of people. And living inside the Beltway, we have different needs too. So there's not a one-size-fits-all policy, but that is the priority of the people. It's their economy. How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to put a roof over my head? Those are the issues that are important to the people, and those are the issues that I want to focus on.
1: I I agree, and I think that that is a strategy that is a winning strategy, and it proved itself when Governor Hogan ran last year and stuck to jobs and the economy. And look, Democrats said that there's no way that uh, a a Republican could win statewide in Maryland. But he did it. I mean, and he won by five points, and and, and that was a lot of variables mixed into uh, Governor Hogan's win. But I think that that people care about issues that directly affect him, or, or, or directly affect all of us. And look, the Democrats are going to try to they're going to you know they they're, they're going to try to paint you as delegate. And so Gutierrez uh, commented yesterday or whenever it was, she said, "This is a Tea Party governor," and. And and as as if that being fiscally responsible is somehow turned into a pejorative. And it's interesting because you, I can always see a plane. They'll say, "Bill Day, oh, well, he's a Republican. Republican values." And as a Republican, Bill, how are you going to work with Democrats uh, across the aisle and get out your message? Um, because it looks like that. Because it's such a liberal district, the Eighth Congressional District, um, they're going to try to paint you an extremist. But how do you combat that?
0: Well, I think that first of all, if I was fortunate to be elected, we would would be a freshman congressman in a majority, so we'd have a lot more opportunities to help this district than a freshman in the minority would if a Democrat was elected. Uh, That being number one. uh, Number two, I think if we focus on the important issues, but those are all issues that I've got, a, I mean, living in Bethesda, I've got a lot of friends who are Democrats, a lot of friends. And I've been talking to them as well. This isn't just talking to Republicans. This is, this is talking about the people in the 8th District. This is breaking down the barriers of R's and D's, bringing in the independents, who frankly don't want to be a part of any, either of the parties, and it's bringing all these people together. It's talking about the issues. These are all important to them as well. The economy, creating good jobs. Those are all issues that we can agree on. And if we focus on those important issues, then I think we can cut break down any barriers.
1: Should you be elected to Congress, you win the primary and you win the general election. When you get to Congress, is there a certain committee or a policy-specific area that you want to spend your time in Congress uh, basically changing or overhauling?
0: Well, I think that uh, I would definitely want to be involved in uh, the committees or subcommittees that can help to create the good, the good jobs, help to put those on the table, help to look at regulations that are superfluous, like you said, that we don't need, that are burdening our small economies. I mean, looking recently the National Labor Labor Relations Board uh, redefined what a joint employer was. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to talk with some people at the Associated Builders and Contractors. It was a barbecue and assistant board, Governor Hogan. But this change, which was by this labor board, completely affects the contracting industry. Who's the subcontractor? How are they defined? Who's liable? Those are issues that are going to have far-reaching consequences if they're allowed to go uh continue. So luckily the, the House and the and the Senate have looked at that and are, are passing or are pushing through legislation to define what it's what employers. But it's those types of of bills from these government agencies uh, or those types of definitions that harm our small businesses and that I would want to be involved uh, perhaps on the Committee on Education and Workforce uh, subcommittee on Health and Employment, Labor, and Pensions. Those would, I think, have the most direct effect on our small companies. I would also want to uh, be involved with our veterans, and I certainly wouldn't turn down an Armed Services Committee uh, uh, appointment either.
1: Certainly an important committee on the Armed Services, and as a veteran and as someone that has uh, served our country very honorably, Bill, what is going on with the VA?
0: Uh, you know, it, obviously I don't have an inside information on it. I'm going from the media reports that you, that you see. Uh, but it is is—it's heartbreaking. Uh, it really is that we can't take care of the men and women who have put their lives on the line to let us have this conversation today, to let me coach soccer, to let me run a law practice, to let these other people run their companies, and let our kids you know, take them out to pizza, do these things, get them ice cream. Um, I've talked to a lot of veterans who, who, you know, have lost limbs, some of them, you know, three limbs, they're wheelchair-bound, and I've also talked to their caregivers who have a, a tremendous responsibility now, and their life has forever changed as well. Uh, I am on, this, uh, on the board of directors of this organization, a not profit called Aspire, and Aspire focuses on the caregivers of those Uh, or the spouses of those who have been killed or seriously wounded so they can go back to school. If you think about it, a lot of those people that are seriously wounded are enlisted men. They enlisted right out of high school. A lot of times their spouses haven't gotten their college education, and they're either seriously wounded or killed, and there's this spouse who's stuck with a child or two with no college education, and they're expected to take care of their family. And that is exactly what happened to my mother when I was seven years old. She was left with three boys in Japan. She hadn't gone back to college, or she hadn't gone to college at the time. And she was, um, she had to work full time, work really hard. And, you know, she remarried eventually to my uh, my great father, Kevin. And so she was allowed that opportunity to go back to school because he was working. She eventually became uh, a public school teacher. So she had that opportunity. But we've got to take care of The caregivers we've got to take care of the wounded veterans uh, and we've got to recognize the children who have sacrificed so much by losing a parent and so that is what I want to help as well if I'm elected to Congress
1: I appreciate that I've had uh, my grandfathers are are both proud veterans of this country and uh, we owe it to them that they get the best services possible They, they sacrificed on behalf of our country much like yourself And many of these veterans who are returning from our our, our nation's wars that are are coming back and not receiving the adequate care that they absolutely deserve, it is despicable. And our government owes it to these heroes to take care of them and to ensure that they receive the best care absolutely available. Um, Bill, look, you know, considering this race and running in a Republican primary, you see the sentiment. You see what's happening at a national level. The Republican Party is sort of at a... Um, a crossroads right now determining where the leadership is is moving towards. We saw with Speaker Banner stepping aside, and then we see with uh, the the leadership is in scramble right now. We're in flux. We're not sure what's going to happen with our speaker, but what do you see? Where would you uh, align within the party structure? Would you be someone that is willing to, to challenge some of the status quo and to take on uh, the the, what I, I want to say, I don't use the word establishment. But would you be someone that willing to defy the status quo of what is happening in Washington and just get the work for the people? What say you?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think you. I think you have to look at this in terms of. I'm the representative of the people. I'm not going to do this job, Ryan, for. Uh, as a career, that's what I'm gonna, not. What I'm looking for to do, I'm looking to do the hard work. You know it. And sometimes you have to take the sacrifice to do it and take challenge the establishment, challenge the leadership. And I think the Speaker of the House, whoever it may be, they need to be a leader. They need to lead. They need to rally their groups to, to get the work done. So no, I'm not afraid to, to take on the establishment. I wouldn't be afraid of them. I'd be more than happy to go in there, roll up my sleeves, and start working on day one.
1: And that is what people want to know. That's what they want to hear. And they want to know that you are listening. They want to know that you're going to be responsive to their needs, that you're not going to become a relic of Washington, that you're not going to become a staple, and that when it's time to go, it's time to go. And one quick question uh, that are on many people's minds. Would you support term limits?
0: In principle, yes. Uh, One of my politicians that I look at, I guess you could call politicians a leader, is George Washington. And one of the reasons is that after his second term as president, he chose to step aside. And if you remember the kings in Europe thought he was the craziest man that he could have been king of the United States. That's and right. he, he said, did- no, this is, what, this is what we meant for this country. This is not a career we have an elected government. I'm going to step inside and let the next person take over. That is who I look up to. That is what I envision: is people like me coming in from businesses, family people coming in, doing the hard work, representing their district, their neighborhoods. And when it's well, time, it's time. But you know, in right reality, man. unless unless the entire Congress did it, then uh, you know, it would be difficult. But I I think that needs to be looked at as a possibility. I would definitely support it uh, if it came up as legislation.
1: Absolutely. Well, Bill, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Best of luck in your Exploratory Committee. And please come back. I'd love to have another opportunity for us to chat, get into some depth about policy issues and what we're going to do uh, collectively, democrats Republicans, independents, uh, forget ideology, what we're going to do as Americans to make our country... uh, move into the right direction. So I really appreciate your time, Bill.
0: All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. Take care. Have a great day. Right.
0: You too. Bye. Bye-bye.